This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hey, this is Sammy. I'm here with my hetero life mate, Yen. Hey, Sammy. Hey there, Yen. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So, we are part of the Barrel Age Chicks. And who else is part of us? Oh, we've got Harley, Snow, and Crystal. And ourselves, of course. Mm -hmm. If you like hearing about movies, podcasting about movies, <laughs> if you like hearing about music, or pretty much anything, come and check us out. Come hear the chick side of things. We can be found on Spotify and Anchor. And we are also under the Deluxe Edition Network. Come on out and hear the chick side of things. Come on. Attention, the Milf and Me podcast contains strong language, mature conversations about sexuality and a multitude of lifestyles, as well as occasional criticism of political fuckery. Keep politics out of your pants, folks. Your hosts, Antonio and Diana, are not certified relationship specialists. We are cynical assholes with microphones, pretty much like every other podcast. We are happy to be a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Visit them online or on your favorite social media platform. And please sure to check out the two featured podcasts of the month. Those are the Take on the World podcast and the Beard Laws podcast. And now with that out of the way, enjoy the show. Obviously, girls could fake it easier than guys. But here are three ways you could tell if a girl actually had an orgy. First up. <laughs> uh... Welcome to the Milf and Me podcast. Returning to the show, our guest host, Mariah of the Salty Sex Cast. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. I'm not the best, Diana, but I'll do my best. Uh, I mean, we could do a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're um, excited to have you on these couple episodes. We talked about Trad Wife and the whole movement the last episode, which was really exciting, really enlightening. And I think we, I think, came to a conclusion of what we think it could be but really more what it is. And that's just kind of a passing trend that people are making money off of. Not, not to say that there is some danger behind it because people are easily influenced, especially on social media these days. Yeah. But you know what? Let them do them and we'll just follow that trend and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about this opening clip I just played? It was awesome. <laughs> I, I I just love the whole bro culture too, like backwards hat and the hood up. Like I'm all okay, you know. That I think is it's funny because I actually have an assignment that I have my students. So I teach um, human sexuality at college mm -hmm. level, and um, they have to write a paper about why they think people fake orgasm. Mm. And so it's really interesting to hear people's viewpoints and. Other folks, you can kind of hear it and how they're writing, like, wait, people do that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's out there and, and, you know, why it can be harmful. But 
I have so much respect for uh, content creators like this, and I have no idea who these guys are, what their other videos are. Yeah. But I think it's hilarious when you can get a group of guys, especially like the bro culture that they're portraying, to kind of like take a shit on the whole male mentality of we know everything and we're the best and I can make a woman get off whenever I want. Just watch. And these guys are like literally, Yeah, the satire (laughs) of it is great. The satire of it is great. And those are the things that give me a chuckle. But- it's something that we wanted to talk to you about before Diana went on her sabbatical. And that was in your coaching, in your counseling, in your research, in your teaching, there is something to say about like the perception of male sexual prowess and pride versus the insecurities sexually, romantically, emotionally that men have. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows that at least in the zeitgeist, men don't like to talk about feelings Men don't like to talk about their inadequacies and the insecurities. And there's many different reasons for that. Yeah. To me, the emotional intelligent person would say that it's just been a cultural thing for so long that men just have to bite their lip and grin and bear it and go to work and, you know, come home and don't talk about it because if they emote, if they talk about their insecurities, if they talk about their perceived inadequacies, that women are going to find it weak and unattractive. Mm. And the thing is, is that can be true in certain situations. I'm not going to discount that. But there are people who are making millions of dollars that have built their platform on that Mm -hmm. cultural zeitgeist perception. Mm -hmm. My question to you is, where do you sit on that? What do you think it is like for men these days to talk about their inadequacies, their insecurities, either with their partners or, I mean, even therapy. Like, more women are in therapy than men. Mm -hmm. I think more men should be in therapy or in some kind of counseling because, again, we have built this idea that we should just not talk about these things. Yeah, it's it's a very common gender stereotype, right? Right. Um, It's those traditional. There's those (laughs) traditional gender roles. Um. And the harm it has now caused. Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing that now because we can measure it and we are, you know, we can measure emotional intelligence. We can measure how many people are are seeking help when they need help, et cetera. And um, that if I ignore it or I, I have to make up for it in other areas, so I'm going to be like hyper masculine in other right, areas right. to make up for maybe that I have... Um, you know, I do cry or that I um, don't perform in bed. At the, and even the word performance yeah. is back now on the men. It's loaded. It's a loaded word. It's, it's super loaded. And so just our vocabulary that we use is sending messages to build or, or crumble gender stereotypes. And I got to preface this. I have to say this so many times. I am not a man hater. I'm not a man basher. I don't like people who use asshole terminology and ideology to build platforms on. Mm -hmm. And the majority of them that do it are men. And this is the one thing where I have to say where a lot of the stuff that we are taught, you are learning, that you are teaching other people, at least when we think about when these things were written and constructed and textbooks were formed, these were all written by men. It was just to help with the power dynamic. It's 100% where I was going. Yeah. And I think now in like, let's say the last 30, 40 years, feminism, where we are getting more female influence and let's say 
the background and the perception from their end and from what they see. Because there are a lot of men that have grown comfortable to talk about their feelings, whether it is in therapy or with their partner. Mm-hmm. And people talk and people start sharing things. Um, it's not as exciting as the other shit. So you don't see a lot of it on social media. You don't see a lot of it in blogs or on TikTok. It's not marketable. It's not marketable. Feelings have never been marketable. Um, sexy, powerful, um, having that power dynamic. That is because everyone hears that. They're like, I want that. Right. I want, I want to feel powerful. (laughs) I want to have my ego stroked and, you know, like that sounds great. Even for women, like, don't let's, let's not say that this isn't even something that women crave. Right. You don't walk in the grocery store. Hashtag boss babe. And people are like, fuck yeah, I want that. You know? Yeah. 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 You don't walk in the grocery store and see magazines with like emotional weekly or I need to talk about it daily. You know, it's men's health, men's awareness or sexy Cosmos, sexy Vogue, how to drive your man crazy in bed, how to drive your woman crazy in bed. It's that's what's marketable. Yeah. Control. A hundred percent. You have to go to like a support group. You have to go to an office in a strip mall to talk about your feelings. You know, it's it's a weird dynamic and it's like you said all marketable it's all about the capitalistic ways this country works where we've turned feelings into profit (laughs) i have to say but and we are still now we are still now like yeah yeah people are selling programs um you know i i won't sit there and bash on things but it really is what why are am I being told the messages I'm being told? Is it because someone's trying to earn a dollar or because they actually care about society's health? And pharmaceutically too. Yeah, absolutely. Because like a little blue pill. When <laughs> Viagra came out, it yeah. was like Bob Dole was the spokesman. You know, it was all these geriatric guys who were like, get your spark back. And now when you watch streaming like Tubi or YouTube, they are marketing sexual wellness and enhancement pills to millennials, to guys who are 30, like the Hymns and the Roman, all these yeah, different the brands. Uh-huh. These are young dudes mm-hmm. that are in these commercials. Or like there's this one magazine that I flipped through and it was an ad for Hymns and it was just a guy who looked like this. Yeah. And he was my age or younger. Yeah. You know, so it's not, care? It's yeah, it's not about the older generations now. Is it, in your opinion, a manufactured sense of insecurity that social media and marketing has put on younger people now? Maybe because older people have started like taking better care of themselves. Like, you know what? I'm You're a dying out. market. You're Literally. a dying market. <laughs> right. It's so crazy to me. But again, that enhances the whole cultural idea, especially for men. Is there of something insecurity. wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is she not going to find me attractive? Yeah. We all go through that. What have you heard? What have you seen? Capitalism preys on your insecurity. Right. That's all it does. Does it prey on your security? (laughs) You make more. Do you spend more money when you're secure and happy and have life satisfaction? That's an interesting point that you said that because they talk about people who make less money, spend more of their money percentage wise than people who are financially well off because you are buying happiness or perceived happiness, perceived happiness. That's the biggest thing. It's the whole reason why Facebook marketplace and all these different like auction sites have existed because so many people bought shit that they couldn't afford to make them happy. And now 
the power bill is due uh-huh. and I got to sell my Pokemon uh-huh. collection or else I'm not going to have power this month. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic that I think a lot of people don't recognize. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the insecurities that we're trying to point towards to have you think, oh, I have that. Right. That, that kind of sounds like me. What's wrong with me? There is something wrong with everybody. That's what makes us right. How does that translate now to like sexual insecurities in men? Yeah, that's a big one. I think, you know, just like the word performance, um, pleasure. Yeah. Uh, you can't have pleasure unless you perform to this peak level. Mm-hmm. You know, those right there are already already telling you something because you absolutely can emotionally, psychologically, physically connect with somebody, even if you're member <laughs> uh, should I use the words that all the commercials use um, is not at its peak performance level. Oh, okay. And I'm picking my words as carefully as I can. Cause I don't even want to say like, um, I'll say it size matters. You know, yeah. that's the one we hear all the time. Go big or go home. Yeah. All know. the time. And then you hear from women and yet yeah, size matters to a point. Just like money matters to a point, yeah. right? Like there are some, but also women are different sizes. So like you can't just say I was small to her and so I'm going to be, or I was <laughs> right. big to her and I'm going to be big to her and I'm going to pleasure all the ladies, you know, like it's like not at all. Not right, at all. right, right. There's been some people that I'm all, I wasn't, you know, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> I mean, okay. Remember, I have a female best friend. I yeah. hear all the dirt. We hear, we, and women talk about it all. It was Everything. so funny. I was chatting with a friend and her and I, and she was just like, you know, I was talking about my husband's cock and she was all, well, how big is it? And I'm all perfectly sized. And she's like, yeah, but don't, like, like size wise, like inches. And I'm all, I don't know. And she's like, you've never measured. And I was like, I've never needed to. Right. That, that sense of measurement, that, that number, I guess, is not anything women have started. Every guy listening to this podcast is just like, can <laughs> I get a Mariah in my life, please? <laughs> I, I, so, yeah, I, I'm going to say it first and foremost. Uh, I'm going to say penis size is probably the one thing that men worry about the most. If, I had, to, if I had to. Getting and keeping a boner is the other one. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to just go out and say just based off of what my ideas are cuz again, I don't have as many guy friends as girlfriends. Okay. But fill in the blanks. I would say penis size probably number 1. If I had to guess number 2, it would be achieving an erection. But also number 3 longevity. Would... Like how long are you lasting? Like yes, is it is it a 2 one. minute, 1 minute kind of thing? I again, Diane and I have talked about this, about clock watching, you know, like Mm. I used to clock watch and I was in my early twenties, you know, like not the whole time, but I glance every, you know, a couple minutes or so. I was like, five, six, eight, 10, whatever, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and that changes over time. And I think one of the things that men don't understand, I think a lot of it's emotional more than it is actually physical. Absolutely. That's why, you know, you have some women who really struggle to get to a climax because they're not emotionally invested or they're not mentally there. Um, 
But it's so funny when you're saying clock watching, then you have to ask yourself when people are talking about this time that they're comparing themselves to. Right. Is that from penetration, from the moment of penetration to the moment of completion? Mm -hmm. Or was that when there was some friskiness and other things? The whole experience. Yeah. like, Like what constitutes that actual time? I will tell you, my spouse and I, and I don't know why I'm sharing this right now, but I think it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like from very start to finish, less than a song, both of us climaxed. And mm-hmm. I was like, high five. Like that's got to be a record for us. Like we both got off in like less than two and a half minutes. I think it's funny because as you get older and it's time fun. becomes more valuable, efficiency can be sexy. If you can both get off in yeah. a minimum amount like of time, a challenge. it's great. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a prolonged experience. Diana said it many times. She's like, okay really like or i've got shit to do like oh right exactly like there's sometimes <laughs> that i'm like all right like, <laughs> this is great or you know maybe i'm not so into it but i want to connect with my partner right and so that's what we've chosen to connect with is sex mm-hmm. and then i'm like but i i don't need to get off right now like i'm i'm connecting with you and that's enough for me mm-hmm. and so then then i'm like all right come on like let's go you know so like right. that's selfish too but um, really, we're really wanting to talk about those insecurities and why right. we have those standards. Right. Especially who, with guys. Who is creating this standard? I mean, I think we listen to the loudest voices in the room. Absolutely. They're right. going to be the ones that are looking for the most money or have the most money. Or have the most money. And that, again. And want to keep the most money. And guy, you know, we, we talked about in the last episode, how you know the trad wife movement can be very influential and seductive to certain females. Mm-hmm. But come on, you cannot tell me that men are the most gullible and susceptible to influence gender on the planet. We're the ones that buy fucking race cars because some sleazy salesman in a parking lot told us it was going to change our life. We're the ones that buy houses that are too big for what we need them for. We buy four-wheelers when we can't afford them. We buy the new Xbox or PlayStation every couple of years and we'll pay three times as much because the company knows not to put enough out on the market. We are so susceptible to that kind of influence and that kind of leads into the insecurity thing. What are we so insecure about? If you go Freudian, it's, it's sex. It is our prowess. It is the size of our member it's all those things, but we don't want to it's think our about body that. our body count. It's our body type. Yeah, that's you know? a big one. Height, size, mm. hair. Like you're looking at all these things like who set that standard? Right. And why is that a standard? So if you can start crumbling some of those ideologies or those just societal norms, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, This was dumb because you're going to have people with way different flavors that are like, I'm super attracted to this, super attracted to that. Then there's like the general that we've kind of like evolved to be somewhat attractive to. There is evolutionary evidence of, yeah, stronger, faster men are were more attractive. Those who... um seemed like they had a high virility or whatever, you know, because that's how we wanted to keep producing Mm -hmm. our offspring. Right. There's still animal instincts inside us that operate that way. Absolutely. So if we can go there for some things, but other things I'm like, that has nothing to do with any of that. Like that's not part of our DNA. Right. That's just part of our societal norms. Right. I can start asking myself questions. And I actually do a lot of this type of work with so many of my clients because 
I, um, before I did any sexual wellness or anything, I was a body image coach. Right. And so when we're talking about body image and our beliefs and our societal beliefs and how I need to show up into this very specific looking shell, Mm -hmm. not feeling shell, not, um, you know, fulfilled person, just what I look like. And so you really just have to break it down to a lot of these other things that are going on. It's multifaceted. It's not just um, outwards in. It's what I believe about myself. And that'll emulate outwards. That's why right. confidence and yeah. security, you know. Yeah. And with guys, it makes me wonder, like, do they get more insecure based off of opinions and feelings and suggestions from their partners or from the females? Other men. It's from their social groups. Yes. It's their social groups. And Diana, I have talked about this where I don't really have big groups of guy friends, but she has your gone competition. out. She's gone out on dates with guys where there's 20 dudes and they're all trying to be the alpha and they're all trying to show up and they're all yeah. trying to bring the hottest chick to the table. They're all trying to do this. And the majority of the date isn't them trying to connect with the women. No, it's them it's to show off. Show off and show up and shut Showboat. down mm-hmm. the other people. Yeah. You know, we're going to go to the lake this week. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to go to my cabin next Just week. Got oh, this yeah. Boat. Right, 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 right. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm not going to say I've had tons of partners. I'm going to say I've had a fair amount, <laughs> a reasonable amount. I have right. never, yeah. never, ever once been shamed been ridiculed, put down, or anything for sexual performance, physical appearance, or ability, or agility by a female partner ever. Not once. Yeah. Not once. And women will tell you. We they like will to tell share you. our opinion. And I'm, I'm not kidding. bragging. No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, oh, I'm the best. I'm just saying that maybe I was very cautious about who I was deciding to make my partner at the time. You're usually attracted to those. We're attracted attracted to to them. Yeah. Yeah. And there is an emotional and physical sense of understanding and vulnerability between the two of you where it's like, okay, well I could say your ass is too big. I could say that you're, you know, Midsections too, too big. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying, like that in the early '90s, that oh, was yeah, definitely was a, big... a female body image problem. Uh-huh. You know, it's like my ass is too big. It's like you're a size one. What the fuck? You know? Yeah. Uh, thanks '90s. Thanks uh, <laughs> Steve Madden and Candy Magazine and all those different things. Right. But I've had all my guy friends that I had in high school. It's like, oh, Antonio, you're so fucking short. You know, blah blah blah. Or you know, yeah. where, where's your pecs, man? Like. It's it's friendly shaming for some people, you know, like ah, oh, this is my friend. He's taking the shit on me, but for some people, there is that friend of the group who's very sensitive, sensitive, and very vulnerable, and can take that in such a negative way that they become toxic to themselves and to the people around them and to their partners. Because then they try to one up in other areas, right. and so I'm going to either sabotage you so that you sabotage. don't look uh as good or you know it's so it's a very when you said toxic i think that's the perfect way to explain it Mm -hmm. because it poisons everything else around you if you are unaware or this is on a subconscious level it's going to bleed into everything maybe you do have a okay so for example i was always super self-conscious of my nose size like Mm -hmm. that was something i did get teased about probably because it was the only thing that was different right for me like i was pretty average height you know i wasn't like 
super gorgeous or whatever growing up in school. And so like this is like elementary to high school kind of thing. And so it was something that I was so paranoid about and and like purposely would date people with not bigger noses because I'm like, what if I don't? I have kids with big noses. I don't want to have a kid with. You big were nose. like, if I marry a dude with a big nose, you're like trying to do the math. Like, if my nose is this long times this long equals this long, oh my god! So it was just so funny. And it's like, how did I let this control right control my life? How I would style my hair because I had someone tell me if you parted your hair down the middle it drew a line straight to your nose. And so you didn't want it. <laughs> oh, God. So that is actually when I started learning about body image and yeah, I started kind yeah. of breaking away from a lot of those societal beliefs. I actually got my nose pierced as a little bit of activism to like prove myself like it's okay to bring attention to something that's already kind of has its own attention. Like okay. it's just because it's different. It doesn't mean it's bad. I think it's funny because like I honestly didn't even notice your nose until you started talking <laughs> about it. And now I can't stop looking at it because, because it's, me. Yeah. it's you. I mean, it's I'm totally not saying fine. that it's distracting, no, but it's like, yeah, you had a problem with your nose. That's- right. And so many people said that, but I was like, I walked around, felt like I was just a nose walking around. Like I just remember the insecure level of being miserable and then like hating girls with like this cute little button nose. I'm like, fuck you, you know, Cindy Lou Who. (laughs) And so it's so funny. My husband now, he also has a big nose and, and like someone was making fun of us, our friends, we all like give each other so much shit. And they were like, how do you guys kiss? (laughs) And I was just like, we just smell each other. It's great. But, you know, like David, the gnome, you just do the little Eskimo nose. Yeah, right. And my daughter was asking, she was just like, whose nose do I have? And I was like, oh, honey, I don't know. But it's going to be big either way. And I was like, big noses and big butts. You got to like, you know, counterbalance yourself. And so it was just, you know, we try to even when we talk about ourselves to our kids, like just make light of it and not that it has a value. Right, right, right. You know, you're not less than you're not better than, you know, and so it's so interesting you know, going back to those insecurities of that could be the one thing you walk around in life leading. That is the lens you look through everything. You could walk around life saying, I'm shorter than other people. And this is how I'm going to show up in every situation. Mm. So I've got to make up for it. So you hear like the short guy syndrome. Which I I don't have to an extent, but explain. Go ahead. So that that is because that's what they want to make up for the lack. And I'm using quotes on that because there is no lack right. anywhere. It's your perceived lack. Right. So you're trying to make up for it. You're going to have a louder personality. You're going to try to be boastful. You're going to try to like make up for somewhere that someone told you it was less than. Yeah. And so that's why you have those kinds of sayings you know, like the short guy syndrome or right. whatever, because it's it's all made up and, and it's your head. I have firsthand experience with this, but only on dating apps. I've never felt conscious about my height. It's never hindered me getting the person I was attracted to. Mm. And maybe it's because I had in my mind, I'm not going to go after the six foot tall blonde. Yeah. To me, that is not my level, not my realm. That's not my my neighborhood. Yeah. And to me, that helps develop the attraction for the people that I have been attracted to and partnered up with. Short brunettes, you know, that's just my thing. I mm-hmm. think nature said, okay, this is this is your realm. And yeah, there's always me some like, oh, I only like date tile guys that are six foot over. I never experienced so much of that on, on dating apps. And you know what that because taught me? It's a measured It's a me- They put it on there. Yeah, they, they should have dating apps that there. don't have those or maybe like a range. Right. You know, like 
around average or above average height or below average height. So it's just a range and it's not this numerical value. Right. And those things are only about putting numerical values on everything. Even ages. Height, weight, age, uh, neighborhood. And, you know, uh, I've talked to girls who was like, okay. Might as well. Get my little pinpoint of where they live. Like, oh, they live in West Valley. I'm not, you know, whatever. (laughs) That's a thing here in Utah. It is. But when it comes to like personal connections I've had with women in person, it's never been an issue. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky. I had a dad who was only 5'1", right? And he was a stud muffin. That's awesome. Like, he wore the little Cuban heels and the tight pants. Because he did not lead through life. He had that confidence. And it did really well for him. How dare you tell me I'm less than because I look different than the average person or, like, the... No. No. I mean, to outgrow my dad by, like, six inches, that made me really happy (laughs) because I was like... Well, if my dad can be five one and get through life, I know I can. But I'd rather have a few more inches on me, and thank God I did. But let's go back to the opening yeah. video. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing—the orgasm conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never asked a partner if they've faked it. I've because never, it's not on you, and it's, it's not, not your responsibility. Thank you. Yep, that's exactly how I feel. You take your responsibility for your own pleasure, right? So that's when someone who's faking it, they're trying to make up for something. It's right. all about on them, not on the other person. My question for you is, based off of your research and let's say the assignments that you've passed out, and you know, fielding the people in your class or in your counseling, what is the female perception? of that like why is the the faking the need to fake is it a self-reflected insecurity of like oh maybe the problem is me but i don't want it to make it feel like it's him or is it just i just want him to feel good and that hey you tried like what is that where, where does that come from do you think it comes from fueling ego because guess what it does not do nothing it actually hurts me if I were to fake an orgasm because then it says I'm not valuable enough to tell my partner the truth. So then they can help me achieve that. Or I can, you know, maybe they can help me. They, we have this potential to open up and talk about what I like or what I don't like or whatever. Mm -hmm. But so it actually harms me so I can help that person. And so I'm not hurting that person's ego or the fear that I'm going to hurt their ego or their feelings. So it's this perceived need to protect them over my needs, but it's so skewed. Like, it's just like best intentions that actually harm everybody in the long run. Right. Yeah. So by that definition, would you say that if it is a relationship or let's say a partnering that has an emotional potential in the future, Mm -hmm. that is more, let's say, important and sacred to be more honest, be connected, where if you're faking with someone that you don't have an emotional investment in, who cares? Then who cares? Yeah. Like, that's where I I think that's where it's gotten satirized in like TV and stuff like that. I'm going to bring up Sex in the City, for example, you know, all their conversations at fucking brunch or whatever, you know, just like, oh yeah, I had to fake it again, blah, 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 blah. Only time I've heard about faking it is on is on media. Interesting. I have never actually had a friend who has said I have faked it. Well, okay. One, maybe two, because they were just kind of like, I'm not going to fucking get this over with. Diana said the exact same thing on one of our episodes. Whereas like, she such a small proportion of women. She literally did it just so it could stop. <laughs> yeah. Cause she was over it. So, okay. I get it. 
I mean, that does sound weaponized in a way, but I think the intention is not to weaponize it. It's to, you have an advantage. You know how many times I've heard women kind of like, you know, hookups or whatever. And they're like, hey, just so you know, I'm I'm kind of hard to get off. You know, like I have to really, it has to be like magic, right? For me right. to be there. And probably hookups, I'm not, I don't have that emotional connection. So I'm probably not going to be there. They're probably not saying that, but that's what's going on. Right. And the guy's like, Oh, just you wait. Okay, I've heard I'll get you. I've heard that we'll several it. times. Yeah, and it did not make me try any harder, honestly, because there is a moment where now I have been performance anxiety, right? But also, <laughs> there is a moment in time where it's like if you're doing something and it's not working, I don't know if some men think, okay, well, that means I'm just not doing it aggressively enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's not the, the answer. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I think in some ways women have conditioned themselves to be like, Hey, look, I'm just telling you right now, yeah. if I say this and you're not seeing anything, that doesn't mean you're go bad. harder or go faster or that yeah. you're bad at this. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I think it's, it's really interesting how like sometimes those things are and like the whole faking and, and like, why would you, um, why would you, you not be honest like let me you know if I'm kind of dating someone and maybe let's say it started as a hookup and I did fake it and then I'm like fuck <laughs> like, now, I'm like, now I have to this. like do this every yeah time. yeah and now you're saying this so then you know the easiest way to kind of get out of that or like all of a sudden you're like oh no just ask that person hey is it important to you that mm. I climax each time I wanted to let you know sometimes things will change and here's some things that I do like, some that I don't. Um, you know, you don't have to be like, I faked it. Right. That could hurt something too. If you're uncomfortable with that, I'm just a brutally honest person. So I'm comfortable with the consequences of, you know, me coming out and saying, right. hey, I faked it because I just thought this was a quick one night stand. I just wanted to get you the yeah. fuck out of here. And Honesty. Like, when, when we had our... On the back, good man. <laughs> When we had our previous guest, Stephanie, on here, we had her on another episode about sex toys. And she said something that was very enlightening to me. And she's like, I take full responsibility for my, my sexual pleasure and yes. accomplishment. Yeah. And that's why she's a huge advocate for sex toys and pleasure devices and stuff like that, because that's just how her body works. That's what all the research mm -hmm. says. And you are in charge of your own pleasure. Right. And so she tells people right away, it's like, hey, I'm going to have these because it's the way that I function, it's got nothing to do with you. And hey, if there's a chance where I don't need it, well, fucking congratulations. You know, yeah. it's a it's a really interesting thing. And guys just do take that stuff so sensitively. I I probably used to when I was younger. I don't so much anymore, but it is really interesting to hear like how big of an issue that is for so many men. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, again, I think it's a lot of just social conditioning. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's really men saying like, I have to do this because I'm the only reason I'm a man. You know, it's just more like, oh, wait, I couldn't couldn't get you to climax. And it's like, yeah. And guess what? So is 90 other percent of the, <laughs> my sexual partners. Right. I usually need some assist, like take it and right. enjoy it. And we're going to have fun. And I'm still saying yes to sex now. Right. And I'm still having a lot of fucking fun. And that's something I have learned to tell my spouse, too, because I'd say our our orgasm gap is larger, you know, than I'd love it to be. But 
that's on me mm-hmm. because either I'm just not in the mood or I haven't done some emotional work that day. And so I'm kind of stressed out or whatever. It's nothing to do with him, but I'll still be like, yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Even if I didn't climax because I want him to know, I still really enjoyed it. It's right. not like I'm just like, Ugh, only you got off this right. sucks, you know, like, cause I'm still getting something out of it. Even if it's not an orgasm, that's a huge piece too. It is. Why are all of our sexual encounters wrapped around just climax? If we stopped valuing climax as the ultimate level of pleasure, this wouldn't be such a big deal. You just blew my mind right now. I saw your face. I saw your face. Love it. Yeah. So it's really how we're, what's the social conditioning and what do we value in a relationship? Do we value honesty? Do we value getting the fuck out of there? Something to think about. Yep. are so many love gurus dudes i don't know but let's hear your thoughts on this one <laughs> tell you a secret right now it is it is 100 it is impossible for a woman to love and respect a man who is head over heels in love with her she senses it as weakness and it doesn't matter like this is how they're hardwired and this is something you have to accept and thank god i've accepted this in my early 20s me not knowing that women are repulsed by love i had to learn that the hard way because when you see the same patterns and the same trends with women over and over, you start to actually pick up on things. It is impossible for a woman to want you if she knows she can 100% have you. Okay. <laughs> can we say echo chamber? <laughs> red flag, red flag, red flag. Anyone who says 100% or impossible, like <laughs> that, yes, a black or white language will, and I don't want to say always because I'm going to just do the same thing are most likely wrong Uh because there is hardly anything that's hard truth or not truth in our society. Mm -hmm. We're always learning more things like science, everything. Like if you're only seeing a yes or a no answer, it's probably because your pool of data is too small. So let's look at the probability of what he was just saying, because he was saying it's 100% impossible for women to look. And he was only speaking from his lived experience. There is something interesting about what you just said, because it's something that I've kind of come to a conclusion to. And that is these guys and these like echo chamber, echo chamber groups, they <laughs> I love only, how you have a name for everyone. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because oh. I got sucked into these rabbit holes of these dudes. Yeah. I started picking up their lingo. Oh. So I'm just using it against them, essentially. But I love it. I think that they stop at a certain point when they're doing their data research that lives within their ideology. Confirmation bias. A comp- 100%. Yeah. They will ignore any other data, facts, research, statistics that will go against what they're saying and they will only show you what enhances their message and their experience. Like the fact that he, this guy, Mr. Little Red Goatee and a Mustache, Saying, I can tell you from experience that I've from his never lived had experience. a woman yeah. respect me when I was head over heels in love with her because she looked at it as a sign of weakness. Um, I go back to the whole point of like, okay, well, you are chasing the wrong women. Or, or he's so head over heels, 
he's ignoring her red flags and her boundaries and her and maybe yeah. love bombing her. Mm. And so then she's just like, fuck, dude, like, <laughs> back the fuck off. And so she's never going to connect with him because he's ignorant to her needs. Right. And he's only approaching the relationship with his needs. This is the softer, quieter version of the guy in the car saying, I don't know what this bitch wants. I bought her flowers. I bought her candy. I took her to the nicest restaurant and she won't sleep with me, but I'm the nicest guy. What the fuck? This is the quieter version of that. This is the guy who's like, okay, well, I can't say that. So I'm going to say it this way, that being head over heels, a woman is not going to love you or respect you if you show her that. So you need to be stoic. And this stoicism movement, Mm-hmm. While I appreciate what it does for certain people in certain aspects, when you start blending stoicism with emotional intelligence, with relationships and love, Ooh. oh, go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's just it's very interesting to hear, you know, how biased this was. He ha- he didn't even have anyone else in the room to confirm it. Um, or how many people have you actually were head over heels? Was it two? Right. You know, like what was your pool? What is your definition of head over heels? I just want to sleep with you. That means I'm head over heels in love with you. (laughs) The people that I will perk up most to and really listen to are the ones that are like, hey, I've noticed some behavior Mm -hmm. and I started asking myself questions of why. Right. And I'm still going to continue asking myself questions of why. Um, you have the the smartest researchers out there. They don't find something and then replicate it like four or five times. And they're like, yep, this is true. They keep, keep. replicating it. And it's a scientific people. method. Absolutely. It's never ending. And so, and <laughs> even when they're like, and they always say based on the study up to this point. Right. Because they're leaving room for there may be new yeah. evidence that we don't, we haven't found yet. Right. And so just then, like, that's why I'm like, you know, those whole black or white people, here's this line in the sand, you know, and that's why I always like everything's a spectrum because mm-hmm. there is like there's so many different and there's outliers and all sorts of stuff. And this just makes me sound like a super weird nerd and like research nerd. But I think that was the closest I've ever been to truth mm-hmm. when I've been able to uncover why do we know what we know and how have we come to know this? Right. Because now I can critically ask and look at critical you know, cri- critically think. <laughs> it blows my mind too how it's like when it comes to relationships and social interactions and sciences these guys put together, how they are so desperately trying to consolidate yeah. to one realm of thought and another. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like the the red pill masculine movement, the anti feminism movement. Uh, polyamory, whatever. Like they're trying to get rid of all, like you said, the spectrum of the outliers and push just these two different black and white together because it's easier to push the message. Yet a thousand TV channels isn't enough. Yeah. A thousand video games and streaming services and car options and all these things that we think we have all this choice and decision and, and destiny of discovering and owning and acquiring. Yet when it comes to thought, it has to be as minimal as possible because I think is people just want easy thoughts, but yeah. accessible access to bullshits. Ooh, I love how you think, because it takes work. 
It takes work. It's and no one wants to do so that kind of work. easy when someone has a black and white life planned for me and I can just follow this one person. They're right. successful. I'm going to do everything they did. Right. Never mind intersection, intersecting needs and identities and, and lived experiences or anything. And so that's why I love to just be like, you keep telling yourself that, bro. Right. Like, enjoy your <laughs> unhappy life because what you're doing is you're trying to just find something that is your truth that you're like. And then if I have other people believe it, then I'm confirming my truth. Yay for me, you know. The last thing I want to say about this guy and some of the other things that I've been watching lately, now that I've been doing this long enough, it's almost been a year for this podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. It'll be year in November. When I start looking at viewer and follower counts with people's messages and I see stagnancy in them, uh-huh. that's when I start seeing them take the next level up to whatever this weird ideology that they're pushing is. So I see creators and influencers that are just desperate to get their content discovered and followed and stuff like that. So this particular video. So I have to be an outlier. Yeah. This particular video, I think had like 1600 views, like not a lot compared to some of the people that we played here. Mm -hmm. But then I dug into this guy's channel a bit more and more. And the more aggressive he gets, the higher the view count. So I started thinking all these guys are really just pushing more and more and more to get that view count higher. Yeah. And I think that there's probably some kind of, let's say, compromise in their actual beliefs versus what is actually gaining them the likes. Absolutely. And that destroys the credibility. But I don't think people look at that because they look at the numbers and the views and they're like, wow, this guy's got so many views and listeners and followers, he must be onto something. And that's where the false narratives come in. Yeah. Well, when you look at some of the best, the smartest minds, the most brilliant people, the people who are doing really good work, they aren't out there just only on social media. They're kind of like social media is just a byproduct of what they do because people are latching onto their message. My message didn't originate on social media, which is, you know, when I say mine, it's not mine, but other people like that. So it's, I love how you're critically looking at those folks and, you know, they're, they're influencers that are hollow because yeah. they're following that like, and, you know, clickbait, you hear all those things. And the more polarizing I can be, mm-hmm. the more followers, the more likes, the more views, because people who are really against it are also going to be like, what the fuck is this person and commenting and then being keyboard warrior and all of these other things about stuff. And it's just, yeah, that's what gets entertainment. Like that's our entertainment value. This is entertainment. It is not truth. Right. And when you think about how many of the great thinkers and people in logic and philosophers and even mathematicians and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. How many of them who've like built the foundations that our current academia is built on? How many of them died in poverty? Oh, absolutely. They weren't trying to get a buck. They weren't doing this right. for popularity. They were usually really unpopular people because right. they were doing something kind of different. Right. And now the more our society is kind of shifting for social media, the more popular people, they're doing something different and right. new and kind of against the grain and it's like oh what's this because we've seen the same things over and over again for how long because we've just been inundated with media forever so fascinating fascinating scary and we'll definitely dive into it another time (laughs) 
actually doing these days that people can like reach out to you for help? Do you still have a website or a social media that you check that you can like connect with the public? People have questions or are we just guesting right now? What's uh, <laughs> what, what, what is Mariah up to these days? Um, you can all go through Antonio to get a hold of me. No, I'm just no, kidding. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the saltysexcast.com is still open. Yeah. Our Gmail is still available. Um, I really wanted to make sure that was still a platform for people. And just because I'm not on social media doesn't mean I'm not getting those social media messages. So right. I still pop in and check it. I just have everything deleted off my phone. So I have no app. Yeah, I have to actually go into the website and check it intentionally. So instead of having those messages come to me, I come to it when I'm emotionally and have, you know, the attention span for that. Uh, so salty sex cast at gmail.com is one way you'll probably get a kickback message that we're no longer taking guests, but that's just because our email we were getting inundated with guest right. requests, um, which was really great, but kind of sad to like have to be like to let go of that. Hey, sorry, but at that same point, am I doing this for the potential guests that are coming on my show or am I doing this for me? And I really had to ask myself those questions. Right. So um, I go really deep into that in my last episode, my very last episode. I've had so many folks reach out and say like, I cried. And I mean, I, I got cried teary eyed. Yeah. I got emotional. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, because I think like I showed up like I'm not a character. I'm not a, like I am who I am every day. Yeah. If you anyone who knows me. Um, you can get a hold of me there, or you can go to balanceyourwellnesstoday.com, and that is where I do all of my coaching and other services as well. So you can still get a hold of me there. Um, but yeah, right now I am just working. I'm almost done. I'm just like a couple weeks away from re getting my my new master's degree. Mm -hmm. And I love how I'm saying new, like I have an old one, but I do have, I already had a master's degree in health and wellness and this is in um, learning experience design because I really wanted to make online courses for folks yeah. who want to learn about themselves and want to learn about sexual wellness um, because we, we have a lot of social media platforms that people are like, we're, we're having, you know, a new social awakening as a society in, mm -hmm. in America and wanting to like present that in a way but just like we talked about with social media you can't really trust a lot of those and how do you know if they're like good resources and so that's where I wanted to make um more credible resources for people to learn on their own yeah um and yeah just working teaching doing other things raising three kids uh I'm All gonna go it. yeah I and and I'm still spent I had a summer where I was able to do stuff on the weekends. I went paddle go. boarding yeah. and hiking and all sorts. I was like, I've done this in too <laughs> long. And I, I need to spend more time on just being yeah. and not doing or trying to achieve. And I realized like, yes, there's a moment of saturation and achievement yeah. where it's just hollow. And I'm just doing to do to like, cause I'm scared to be stagnant. And even the word stagnant isn't something I am intentionally using. I'm intentionally using like just being right. So, yeah. Well, we love you having you. We're, you're you. such a valuable resource to the show. We learned so much from you. And thank you for filling in these spots. And I'll definitely have the links to your websites and all the stuff like that on the websites and the show notes. And yeah, hopefully uh, not too long from now, we'll have you back on the show. Hopefully Diana's back by then. If not, we could be seeing you again just solo. But we're really excited. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next week.